Hey everyone, before we jump into our return episode, I wanted to thank a pair of artists who are responsible for our new updated show art. So first up, I want to thank Greg Schiegel for drawing the piece of me now clad in a Green Ranger shirt. Greg is a tremendous cartoonist and you can check out HatterEntertainment.com to see everything that Greg is up to. I also want to give a special thank you to Perry Constantine, who drew our new Zords in our updated show art and knocked it out of the park. Perry, in addition to being a terrific artist in his own right, is also a podcast host. He hosts the show Superhero Cinephiles. I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on a couple of episodes. He has covered virtually every comic book movie and continues to do so. And it's a terrific show. I really hope that you will check out his show and his art. So once again, my thanks to Greg and to Perry for our new show art. If you haven't seen it yet, I hope you will take a look. I love the way it turned out. And I think it really tees up what promises to be a really special, fun year on this podcast. Three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome back to Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the television arcs White Light and Return of the Green Ranger is one of the assistant managers of Rainbow Comics, Cards, and Collectibles in South Dakota, John Runyon. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me this evening. My pleasure. So I said, welcome back. This is our first episode of 2023 for Summoning the Zords. It's also our first episode back after the hiatus we took following the passing of Jason David Frank. So this podcast had just started in late 2022. We dropped two episodes on the Green Ranger television arc. I was prepared to drop two more episodes on the first two years of the Boom Studios comics. Those are in the can. Those are still coming. We're going to get to them pretty soon, actually. And then, of course, we were all met with the, the the very sad news of Jason David Frank's passing. And I put out just a little 15-minute mini-episode talking about that. And it just, my gut was to just kind of hit pause uh, for the remainder of 2022, which we did. And over that time, I've I've honestly, I've been immersing myself in rewatching uh, Jason David Frank's episodes, uh, and specifically within the Mighty Morphin era. And that's why coming back now, I wanted to start with White Light in particular, as well as Return of the Green Ranger, but White Light in particular, because I think after everything we talked about with the ups and downs of Tommy as the Green Ranger and getting his powers and losing his powers and coming back and losing them again, uh, it, it just felt like this was a great uh, moment of, of redemption and resolution to have him back as the White Ranger. So again, we're going to get to those episodes on the comics, but I wanted to spend just a little bit more time here in this, in, in the, in this comfort zone of of the white light episodes and i'm really excited to have you here and the last thing i'll say by by way of uh, housekeeping hopefully this is a welcome change for the audience uh, originally this podcast was monthly uh, but i've decided that we are going to shift to bi-weekly so we're going to have episodes every other week instead of every month i've been recording ahead and we're now in the 30th anniversary year of the power rangers franchise and so i just want to tear it up this year so two episodes a month and we're just going to have a great year reliving the Power Rangers franchise, specifically the arc of Tommy Oliver, because we can trace it across so much of the franchise's history. 
uh, as well as dipping into the comics here and there because that's been such a wonderful addition to the franchise, to the mythology. All right, enough from me for a second here. I want to toss it over to you. The subtitle of the show is a Power Rangers fan journey, right? So I would love to hear a bit about your personal history. How did you find it? How old were you? How long did you watch? What did it mean to you? <laughs> Whatever you want to share about this, I would love to hear. So there's, yeah, there's a lot that goes on to it. My story definitely mirrors maybe a lot of folks my age. So growing up, uh, Power Rangers was definitely my go-to after school. Um, just something that I would run home and, you know, get ready to watch. And man, oh man, when you let me know what episodes you wanted to review specifically, I was like, oh man, there's so much hype around Tommy as a character and just his moments. And I remember... Um, and we'll go into, you know, more of the episode specifics, but I just remember overall just feeling enchanted by the premise of everything that is Power Rangers and and feeling like when you're on the playground or you're playing with your neighbors, that could be me too, you know? And so um, definitely, first of all, the toys were so fun to me. Um, having that original Megazord set and playing with it. We, uh, so I grew up in Nebraska and we had just gotten orders to move to Japan. Uh, in 95. And so my dad went ahead of our family. And I remember taking the whole Megazord with me through the airport because you used to be able to go to the gates and see people off. And I was playing with the Megazord, you know, well, you know, he was, you know, we were waiting for him to board and fly off into a whole different country. And we would, you know, wrap up things here and then join him in Japan. And so I remember that Megazord coming with me and it was just kind of my comfort piece, you know, um, down to the, the Mastodon shield. And the power sword. <laughs> those with me too. Um, I, I will say that other collectibles included the trading cards were just something that I enjoyed getting my hands on. Um, but most importantly, it was just really soaking up the story and just being so enamored with everything that was going on on the TV. That first season um, especially is what really drew me in. The movie, when that dropped, oh man. And the soundtrack, which is still under my bed in a Rubbermaid. God bless CDs. I miss them. <laughs> I really should get that out sometime. Um, but I used to blare that Power Ranger song and jump off the couch. Um, I remember the Van Halen track on there. Man, it was just such an upbeat track and the energy surrounding it. And the, it was just so magical. And you know, the funny thing about that magic is that it's still there to this day. You can put that movie back in and just feel good. Like, Maybe some of the special effects didn't age well, you know, as we're spoiled with new cinematics and stuff. And that's all fine. But the overall premise and, you know, um, everything about it, it just, to me, it just makes me happy still. Um, so when I watched these episodes, I was just pulled right back in. And I'm like, I, I just can't stop watching it. And for our episodes, I crushed it all in one sitting. I was like, let's go, you know. Um, so it was, it was so exciting to me. Um, the craziest part about my Power Rangers journey was literally moving to Japan and seeing Power Ranger merch in another country. Uh, that was really gnarly. And so I got to see things that maybe we didn't learn about in, on America TV for a while, you know, in advance, uh, which was kind of gnarly. And uh, seeing alternate teams and trying to piece it together, like, what the heck's going on? Uh, 95 to 2000, the internet was just starting to, you know, become more and more accessible. Uh, but... Um, didn't have the resources that we do now. I couldn't just hop on Google on my smartphone and see, you know, who is this, who is this team or anything like that. So it truly was a uh, Power Rangers hit my life during an international journey of mine, as well as just figuring a lot of things out. And it's just, uh, 
it, it always has held a endearing uh, place in my heart. Um, when I learned about the comic books coming out again, so the Boom Studio runs, um, I just was like, no way. Um, I'm totally getting all of this, you know, and I've loved it ever since. I've been collecting, you know, since the relaunch through Boom Studios, and they've just done a really nice job with it. Um, and so if you guys aren't right, reading it, I highly recommend it. It's just continued stories. Shout out to Power Rangers Pink, the limited run. I love that. Um, and I just love seeing what they're doing with all the characters. So, yeah. Oh, man. I loved hearing all of that, uh, especially about the training cards, because I was just thinking about those today. Those were, you know, anyone you talk to who is a fan of Power Rangers. Of course, we talk about the toys, but the training cards uh, those hold a special place for me. I, I mean, I remember getting those packs. I remember tearing them open. I remember the red binder that I had all of the cards in. I remember throwing them away when uh, my parents sold my childhood home and now regretting that and wishing that I had ca- how much space would that have taken up. Uh, but they were wonderful. So I'm right there with you with the cards. Fascinating to hear about your move to Japan. And I'm curious... Uh, well, I guess you, you answered the question. So then you got to see the Super Sentai series. That must have been, because it's only, honestly, it's only really now that I've been doing this podcast where I've been looking up on YouTube, like looking up clips from the original show. And thankfully there are a lot of awesome YouTubers out there who have done side-by-side comparisons of the American Mm -hmm. and Japanese footage. And I can imagine, especially as a kid, like what a, what a warp that must have been to see that. Oh, that's nuts. Did you enjoy them? And have you gone back to them since since you've been older and stateside? Mm-hmm. Um, so with a series that, and, and we did have literal television channels come through our TVs and stuff. And so it wasn't MTV, it was Channel V over there. And so there's all these alternatives that would come in and you just kind of learn to navigate and I'll check next week around this time and see if that's back on again. Um, you know, things like Dragon Ball Z and everything. So with Power Rangers, yeah, it was crazy. Um, I just watched i couldn't understand the dialect of course um but i just i was so enamored with like this is awesome it makes me feel like i'm at home and you know you just gotta go with the flow and i never did get to see um you know like a steady run of it or anything like that because it was always so irregular or my schedule you know as a youngin was kind of at the mercy of extracurriculars or whatever you know um but you you caught it when you could um, and then when you were out and about, you know, I would I would see toys and stuff at various malls and shops throughout the country. Um, and that was really fun, too. I'd just be like, this is kind of cool. <laughs> so. so but now thinking about this, so you missed out then on the American series for that time, right? Or did you have some way of, of watching them? Um, for the American series. So when I was still in Nebraska, I did get to see all the way through um, the... I, I think that it would have been around the time of the White Ranger premiere. I know I remember that for sure because my friend had the Tiger Zord toy. Um, but then the movie, I believe, was something that I got to enjoy over in Japan at the on-base theater. Um, and then the soundtrack, I remember playing like in our family living room in our small military house. And my parents were like, not this song again, you know. And, um, but it was, it was, uh, it was kind of a, a smooth the, – the movie – really helped connect a lot of the dots for me. And the American TV that we did get had some delays on there, but they were really good at having a lot of kid-friendly programming. And so um, still got, you know, that X-Men 90s cartoon um, from Fox Kids, Power Rangers and all that stuff. It was just, it would just be at specific times. Gotcha. So, yeah. 
obviously we'll be doing an episode on the movie not too long from now. And I think for all of us Power Rangers fans, that was so, so pivotal. And it's funny because even people I talked to, we've talked about this on the show, the, the difference that a few years can make. So even people I've talked to who maybe were like two or three years older than me and kind of like this wasn't really for them, even they know the movie. Like there are a few people I've talked to and they're like, yeah, the show, but like the movie, like that was such a moment. And certainly for those of us who do know and love this, it, it, and, and you know, again, we'll get into this more when we do that episode, but it's just like it occupies such a unique spot where it utilizes the cast right of the show but we have original costumes and a storyline that would then be done slightly differently on the show so it's 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 this weird thing where if they had just brought in new actors and done a totally separate thing you know that would have made sense or if they had used the aesthetic and props and costumes and continuity of the show that also would have made sense but it ended up being this amalgam of those things. And it, it's just its own thing. And it's amazing. And I've, I've revisited that actually not too long ago, but I'm very excited to get into that again. I have the Blu-ray. Uh, so I'm going to dive into that and the special features. And I actually, on that note, I spent a more time than I should have last night on the special features that are on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers complete series DVD set from Shout Factory. Oh, sure. It's a great set. And I didn't even realize there was stuff, I don't want to take us on too long of a tangent, but I only recently learned that there was a proposed spinoff for Bulk and Skull, and they came out with this VHS, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Stupid, where Bulk and Skull are trapped in a cave during a ranger battle, and it caves in, and they're stuck there, and so it's essentially a clip show where as they're stuck in this cave, they're like, hey, remember that time? And, And then we have our flashbacks. But- you know, I recently learned that that was a thing and that VHS was out there. And it's like, first of all, it's very expensive. To, I, I looked on eBay. I don't have a VCR. And I was like, oh, I would really like to see this. It's on the DVD set. The DVD set also has the live stage show, which I saw at Radio City Music Hall as a kid. And it's on there. So it's a it's a great set. But they also have these behind the scenes interviews and they talk about the casting and the production of the show. And this is a long winded way of getting to this point, which is uh, the, uh, the the writers and directors talked about how Essentially what they would do, especially in the beginning, was uh, they would take like 15 episodes of Super Sentai and they would edit, they would pull out everything that they could use, right? All of the the battle scenes and Zord fights and everything um, and like put them into different buckets, different categories. And then the writers would, you know, craft stories around them. And it gave me more of an appreciation. I think it's easy to kind of look at this show, this kid show, and and especially now with with adult eyes looking at sort of the shift from the American to Japanese footage, you know, there's so much that you see now, you can kind of see the seams, but I I just hearing them talk about it. It's like, you know, no small feat to stitch this thing together. And, Mm -hmm. and it gave me a lot of appreciation, but the thing that made me laugh was, uh, I think it was Tony Oliver, one of the, one of the the, the head guys uh, involved with the show talking about how, when he got to, I guess the second batch of super Sentai episodes. And at that point they didn't know there was a sixth ranger. Right. Like they, they were dealing with the first 15 episodes. They did what they needed to do. And then he's like, oh, like there's this Green Ranger. <laughs> and he watched ahead. He's like, this guy's around for a while. And so they had to scramble and cast Tommy and come up with this whole thing. But it's just, again, it's so funny. As kids, we have no idea of what's going on with all of that. Uh, and, and then to kind of get that insight, it was just, it made me laugh. Those special features were terrific. I, I can't recommend them enough. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, the one other big piece that I wanted to ask you about 
mm-hmm. before we dive in specifically to, to white light is uh, Jason David Frank uh, over the past couple of years had his Power Ranger protection program. He, re- he was going mm-hmm. around to comic book stores and uh, comic book stores are near and dear to my heart. I worked at one for many years. I've made a couple of documentaries about them, including my comic shop country. And uh, so I, I love to see that. I thought, and so that, you know, the idea of comic shops and, and Tommy, it's like, oh my God, like this is, <laughs> this is as, a, as a fan of both, it was amazing. And he came to your show. Can you tell me about like how that came about and just what the experience was like? That must've been a very special moment. Yeah. Well, yes, that was incredibly humbling is the word that I'm going to put out first of all. Um, so the, the way that this went down was very odd. Um, my uh, manager was just coming back in from out of break and our part-timer gets a phone call on the store line and goes, hey, manager, our manager is also John, which is really weird, but he has an age, so he spells it wrong. Um, so um, we have a call about, you know, maybe a guest coming to the store and my manager looks at me and says, you, you take it, you know, you're good at this stuff. And I said, okay, I have no idea what I'm getting into. Um, and I get on the phone and I introduce myself and uh, it's uh, a member of uh, JDF's team. Uh, so uh, Nicole, um, who is an amazing human being and proceeded to just introduce herself, extremely professional, very, you know, to the point of I'm representing Jason David Frank. Um, he played the Green Power Ranger. And I was like, um, this is awesome. Continue. And and uh, she told me about the Ranger Protection Program and how he's coming to stores. And I said, I, I just got to stop you and get some clarification. Are you talking about the Sioux Falls location or our Lincoln, Nebraska store? Because we have two stores. And this is going to break my heart or make me really happy. Please continue. And she clarified it was for the Sioux Falls store. And I said, yes, this is awesome. Um, so I uh, I remember being very animated with her on the phone and kind of, you know, we were just matching each other's energy. And uh, she sent me details right away about the program to our store email. Um, how to, you know, we, we bounced back and forth on a couple of questions, just trying to get the ball rolling. And I've got to say, I, uh, I, I made it a point to be host to the most down to the fact of asking her for favorite snacks and drinks for both of them, uh, because I am a huge people pleaser and I want to make sure our guests feel like royalty. Um, and so that uh, she got a kick out of that too. Um, so fast forward, uh, that was a couple of months before the event. Uh, we started, uh, we got the verbiage about the program and what we could share, you know, because there was some criteria uh, with the program itself. And so, yeah, we started getting the word out and the the buzz and the interest and the excitement, not just in Sioux Falls where we're based, but in the region around, because in the Midwest, it's not city, 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 it's city, lots of farmland, city, you know, like it's like almost like colonies kind of thing. Uh, but a lot of interest from Minnesota, from Iowa, from, uh, you know, those that couldn't make it to the shop in Nebraska because he had stopped at a shop there. Uh, we had some folks from Nebraska um, so we got our store got a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of Facebook <clears throat> with uh, questions on the program, on the event. Um, with these events, uh, you know, they brought us up to speed on using their Q system program, which ended up being very slick. Um, and I absolutely love that. And it helped keep things orderly. Um, fast forwarding to the day of whew, just meeting uh, JDF right away uh, was just, you know, I just shook his hand and it's. I don't know about you, but like, I, I did my best to like, just be in event coordinator mode, you know, kind of thing and, and make sure I, I stay, you know, on the objective and that it's a safe, it's a fun event, but it's also a safe event for our guests and, you know, for everybody. Um, and so I, 
I didn't like fanboy out too much right away because I was just kind of in work mode. Uh, but it was really cool just to get to shake his hand. And, you know, he seemed truly excited to be there. Um, we talked really quick in the back room and walked him out onto the floor and the guests were ready to go, raring to go. Um, and it was just the craziest thing, just seeing the level of excitement. And here I am just walking in front of him as if I can offer any sort of protection to this guy. He's a warrior. He saved the world a million times, um, you know, and uh, got him got him to his area. Um and I will say that I then started fanboying out after that, watching him interact with the guest, um, seeing the impressions that he made with people, um, young and old alike. Um, it was very special to get to watch and witness. Um, uh, during that time, he was kind of, you know, uh, lifting up to me, you know, like, John, this green and white popcorn that you got is awesome. Or, um these green M&M cookies that we made, you know, cause we also own a cookie shop here in, in Sioux Falls, uh, the same owners of the comic shop do. Uh, so, uh, so it's, uh, it was a lot of fun just having him kind of have fun with the event and enjoy himself as our guest. And that's what I look for, you know, when we bring someone to rainbow comics is, um, and not bad for our first go of it. This is our, my first guest anyways, that I've hosted. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, the, the the closest experience that I have to that, and I mentioned this before, but uh, we had a local convention here in, in White Plains, New York, and I got to moderate a panel with Johnny Young Bosch and Catherine Sutherland, and you know, same type of thing. It's like I, you know, I tried to stay in the in the mode of you know, okay, I'm the panel moderator. I'm here helping out my buddy who's running the convention, and we want to have a smooth panel, and you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, bring up questions and elicit answers that the audience will be interested in, and you know, trying to you know, sharing my fandom, but also not. Know, not overdoing it and not fanboying out. And I, I think I struck a good balance, but yeah, it's, and it, and it is so surreal when you're face to face and, you know, hearing you talk about it, it's just the, the, the alchemy that had to kind of go into this because if they had gotten someone else on the phone, right, who maybe was a few years older or a few years younger, and they were like, I'm here with Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger, the response could have been okay, right? Mm -hmm. But they mm -hmm. got you, like they got just the right person. And, and I'm so glad that you were able to have that experience and that you were able to deliver that for uh, the rainbow community. And, and that's great. I mean, I think, you, you know, you, you hear a lot of it, you see a lot of it. I mean, a lot of people who he did cameos for, you know, you know, <laughs> we all know what cameo is now. It's just funny. It's like not, not in a show, but cameos for people, these personalized videos, a lot of them have posted them on YouTube and, and, you know, you see the time that, that he spends and, uh, you know, that, that means something that creates that impression. And, and especially to have spent, you know, we're talking 30 years since the show came out, right. That it's been with us and, and whether or not we're rewatching episodes all the time, or it's just something that we kind of look back on. It's been with us for all this time. So like have that moment and have, have it be a positive experience. That's such a special thing. So I'm really, uh, I'm really glad you got to have that. That's incredible. Um, the other thing that I did get a kick out of too, is, is that, um, they did uh, a ticket kind of stub thing where we would just number them. So like person one, person two for the queue. But what we like to do is when we book movie theaters out for movies and invite all of our box holders to come out with us to a Marvel movie, we'll make a custom ticket stub. So on the back, we'll print out artwork and then have the rainbow logo sticker in the middle. So we did Green Ranger ones of that. So it was double sided and we just laminate with packing tape, you know, and just something kind of fun. And he started signing those for guests. And then at the end, he was uh, talking with the staff and he just goes, Johnny, the amount of detail and care that you put into these things is crazy, you know? And I just was like, well, I mean, that's just something we do for our movie people. And 
Um, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> That's awesome. He was like, nobody makes that effort on tickets like you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was, it was, it was, it was, that meant a lot to me, you know, getting feedback on all the details and stuff and that it meant something to him. And, uh, cause you know, I mean, he sees a lot of people and that was, that was, that was a nice touch. Um, I also appreciated he stayed with the staff and talked to us for about 30, 40 minutes about life. Um, and then I walked them out to their car and uh, got to talk to them a little bit more. And yeah, you know, one of the last things uh, before they left uh, was he said, if I ever come back to South Dakota, I'm not even going to approach the other shops strictly rainbow. And I was like, that's, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that. So it's just, it's really nice feedback and just a good human, you know, because you usually with shows like conventions, it's a tight schedule and then we're done, you know, and that's how it goes. But I, from what I hear from other shops, um, and, uh, from people that have met him at the convention is he makes, he always made time, you know, for people. Um, and so that's something that I noticed firsthand and I always, I appreciate it. So. Well, thank you for sharing that. And now let's celebrate his return as the white Ranger. Yes. Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC Movie Rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, So the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. This episode made possible in part by educator, hobby comic book collector, and pop culture enthusiast, Sam Lim. Sam just moved to the South Jersey area and is looking to connect with other comics fans as well as retailers. They are also looking for comic shops to explore, so recommendations are welcome. Be sure to follow Sam on Instagram at SZLComics. All right, so White Light aired on October 17th and 18th, 1994 two-part storyline during season two of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Now, previously we discussed the run of episodes where Tommy uh, ultimately lost his powers seemingly for good. uh, And I was going to say seemingly left the show, yet he remained in the opening credits. This leads me to, I think, maybe the biggest question that I have for you here, especially going back to our memories as, as kids watching this, is did you, how confident were you that, it was going to be Tommy under that white Ranger helmet because I have a very specific 
experience and memory tied to this. And I'm always curious to hear from other people. So again, we find out in this episode, in this two-part episode, that Zordon and Alpha, they've had this secret mission, this hidden chamber within the command center, creating a new Power Ranger, the White Ranger. And our Rangers, they've been kept in the dark. They don't know what's going on. Billy stumbles upon this chamber. He sees them working on a Ranger. He doesn't know what's going on. They're all confused. And then Zordon and Alpha present the White Ranger. And he descends from the... the ceiling of the command center and mm -hmm. lands and removes the helmet. Kimberly faints and we cut to commercial and we come back and we find out that of course, who else could it possibly be in retrospect? Who else could it have been? But Tommy <laughs> Oliver, but my question, and this, he becomes the leader of the Rangers. And I want to talk about that. We'll circle back to that mm -hmm. in a second. Mm -hmm. And this just really cements this, this character as, as the center, I would say of, of this franchise, certainly for the the years ahead, but I think generally speaking, uh, you know, when you look at the the arc of the franchise, it always seems to kind of come back to Tommy in some way, shape, or form. So mm -hmm. that's my question. I mean, did you? How confident were you that it was going to be Tommy? Do you have other theories? Were you surprised? What, what was your reaction? So, so okay. So I remember this very vividly. Um, as a as a kid, I literally fell for the the line of, um, I think it was either. Um, Kimberly or, or Trini just talking about who who does this new person think he is or why why are Alpha and uh, Alpha you know and Zordon like replacing him with someone else and I was like oh, who could it be like what is going on with this show I mean Tommy's going to be back at some point I was so upset and then when Billy peeks into the chamber and we see the arm and maybe some of the shoulder blade on the table I'm like it's not another person it's a robot was my theory as a kid I remember thinking that and so totally off the mark you know now of course i know um but i will say that i remember just being so on the edge of my chair when he was descending from the white light of the command center and i was just like this is crazy and even now when i when i rewatched it the other day when i sent you the photos you know i was just um i was just uh, like I, I remember being so enchanted with that and the simplest of effects i mean this is not you know computer cgi much or anything it's wires and a light you know, but the fact that you can grab my attention as a young viewer and have me focus on something for two minutes, uh, it means you did a really good job with that writing of having powerful characters. Um, and uh, kudos to the whole creative team on that one, that reveal. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I'll say they got me too. Not exactly for the same reason, but they, I feel like they had, there were multiple misdirects that maybe as an adult, you're like, okay, you can kind of see past them. But as a kid, they totally worked. And, you know, circling back to your earlier point, I've been thinking about this a lot in rewatching these episodes. We didn't have the internet. It's like, I, you know, I don't know the age of our audience here, but for anyone who's younger <laughs> listening or watching, it's like, yeah, it was very different. I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this in an upcoming episode where we talk about the introduction of Rocky, Adam, and Aisha and the power transfer mm -hmm. and that whole bit, bit of business. But, you know, it, it wasn't until I was older and on the internet that I learned that, uh, Austin St. John, Tweet Trang, and Walter Jones had left the show, and mm -hmm. that was why there were all these faraway shots and recycled footage, and you know, helm, you know, helmet versions uh, of those characters for so many episodes. You know, as a kid, I think it registered on some level, but I would definitely was not able to piece together like, oh, those actors aren't there because they've quit the mm -hmm. show over <laughs> salary disputes. So, you know, so like it was so different. So, yeah, it would be totally a completely different scenario now uh, if we were going through this, uh, you know, as far as who the identity of, of, of the White Ranger was. But anyway, 
what got me, there were a couple of things that got me. I think the biggest by far was the, the relatively recent introduction of Curtis, Zach's cousin, and Richie, who was a bit of a love interest for the Trini character. And after Zach and Trini left, those characters just got dropped completely. But at the time, they were in the mix, and I was convinced that Richie was going to be the White Ranger. So much so, and I believe I said this in another episode, so much so I made a bet. This was uh, first grade? Second grade. I want to say second grade. And I made a bet with two of the other kids in the class for like a quarter. But I was, man, I was so sure that it was going to be Richie. And of course I was wrong and I I lost my quarter. But watching it now, I I do admire the way that they had all of this play out because there are a couple of other things that are like, a little bit a little bit more subtle that i think are actually k- kind of clever one is you know zed lord zed has his own uh, uh plot in these episodes he you know he creates the monster nimrod but really he wants to get tommy and there's a point in part one we only see tommy for that one scene in part one of white light where he gets out of the lake and then he's teleported away and of course later you realize that zordon and alfred were teleporting him but it was right after zed was talking about getting him and, you know, presumably, you know, turning him evil again or, or whatnot, because we, you know, we can't have anyone die. Mm. But, you know, so the, the timing of that really makes you think like, oh, he's been abducted by Zed. Uh, and then also, you know, you mentioned before when the Rangers are, when Billy is debriefing the Rangers about, hey, I saw Zordon and Alpha, there was this guy on a table, they're making a new Ranger. And, you know, Kimberly in particular is saying, hey, like, why couldn't this have been Tommy? It, it has this effect of, especially for a kid, of making you think like, oh, it, it's not Tommy. Like they're talking about why it's not Tommy. So it it further makes you discount him as a candidate for this. So mm-hmm. I, I have to tip my hat to them. I, I think especially for a young audience, I think they did a good job of making it a surprise. But of course, again, it, certainly having seen the episodes, but even just watching it in 2023 with adult eyes, it's like, yeah, of course you look at it. And they kept him in the opening credits. It's like, of course it was going to be <laughs> <laughs> Now, to your point, though, that teleporting scene is also what threw me off with the sequence of Zed, you know, being right around there. And then the pain that uh, Tommy was getting when being teleported, it's not a normal ranger teleport. So I was like, oh, he's being nabbed by the bad guys, you know. Um, So I I could see that. Now, I learned something today. You know, hashtag today I learned. Are you familiar with the uh, another uh, 90s uh, Saban show, VR Troopers? Yes. Okay. Oh, gosh, yes. Do you know where I'm going with this? No. Okay. I did not know this until today. So to, to our credit, John, listen, I, I don't think we were so off to be surprised because as I learned, originally, Jason David Frank was going to be the lead in VR Troopers and even filmed the pilot presentation. It's like a six minute thing. It's on YouTube. If you look oh. up it's, it wasn't called VR Trooper yet. It was called Cybertron. So if you look up Cybertron pilot presentation, Jason David Frank, you will find it. So it's Jason David Frank as the lead of what would become VR Troopers. Brad Hawkins, who would go on to star in VR Troopers, was originally cast as the White Ranger. But Tommy proved so popular that Saban had them trade shows. So, again, in our defense... Maybe it wasn't, clearly it wasn't such a foregone conclusion that it was going to be Tommy. My mind was blown. I had no idea that this was even a thing. So thanks to Rangers Wiki, 
uh, for, for that little tidbit in, the, in their trivia section because complete news to me, had no idea. But ima- oh, like, what a, wow. can you imagine what the franchise would have been like? Otherwise, it's nuts. Oh, yeah. Like, just first of all, JD of <laughs> PR Troopers, that's a whole nother thing. Like, I, w- I would totally watch it. I watched all of it anyways. It was a fun show. Me too. But Power Rangers, I mean, come on. You know, like, I, I, I want. I want him where he's at because that's what we know and that's what we love. So, <laughs> yeah, man. So it's crazy. The other thing I'll say in our defense now, this came later, so it doesn't really quite work as a defense. However, with what I mentioned before with Rocky, Adam, and Aisha and the power transfer, you know, you get three new characters who end up taking over for the Rangers. So the idea that new characters would be introduced and then become a Ranger is not so crazy. And it happened very shortly thereafter. So, for, you know, I guess in my defense, the fact that we had Curtis and we had Richie, it's like, you know, it's not so crazy maybe that one of them could have ended up being the the Ranger. So mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what the Brad Hawkins bit, like, I don't know if they would have introduced his character earlier, right? Or mm-hmm. if it just would have been like, you, the first time you see him is when he takes off the helmet. I, I have no idea. Uh, but fascinating to think what might have been. Clearly, they made the right call. I mean, Tommy was, you know, his popularity was was unmatched, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. it was, like I said, I think coming, especially coming off of all those Green Ranger episodes, like this just felt like such a moment of triumph to have oh, him yeah. return as the White Ranger. Amazing. Hands down. Hands down agreed. And just such a cool, successful arc, moment of the arc. I mean, the arc's not done yet as we, as we're you know, as we uh, have these other episodes to review on our show, let alone some other shows that you're probably going to do. Um, it's a rich, he's such a rich character, man. And um, I will say that I never saw circling back to like, you know, the event really quick and, and to some of these other offerings out there, such as the um, uh, green power ranger versus uh, Ryu. Uh, <laughs> video or White Ranger versus Scorpion. Shout out to all these fan things where JDF's like embracing it and making it, you know, feel like it's organic and everything. I, I'm so just blown away about the uh, level of passion surrounding the fandom uh, in a good way. It's just it's it's so cool to see it, and the comic books continue that torch for me. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, a- a- absolutely. Now. You know, I mentioned a couple of times about uh, Jason, Zach, and Trini leaving and this yeah. business about Zordon announcing Tommy as the new leader yes. of the Power Rangers, which yeah. was not the original intention, as I've learned, but was added after the fact and is clear as you're watching it. You just hear Zordon say it while we're focused on the kids and came about after, again, the Austin St. John, Twee Trang, and, and Walter Jones left the show. So, uh, you know, retroactively, I guess they went back in and they made it that Zordon, you know, installs Tommy as the new leader of, of the white, of the Power Rangers. And, you know, so that in and of itself is interesting, but I also, I watched, I watched a couple episodes after White Light and what's, what was surprising to me, like, I just didn't remember this. There are only two more episodes after the White Light two-parter where Zach, Jason, and Trini are actually there. Mm. After those two episodes following White Light, we're into this this realm of, you know, only seeing them via recycled footage, uh, other actors dubbing them over. They're always morph. They're whatever the case may be, uh, and 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 then of course, you know, Rocky, Adam, and Aisha are introduced, and we get the power transfer. So it's such a f- and I had forgotten this. It's such a fleeting moment 
mm. in in Power in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers history where you have the OG cast with Tommy as the White Ranger. I like I had just you know I, I just hadn't kept track of of how short that really was. It's it's kind of it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, when when they announced that the HR and me kind of sat back and I was like, well. <laughs> That's going to lead to a lot of complications. And I remember growing up, I actually liked the original five. And then the Green Ranger was that cherry on top, you know? And so for me, I was used to, you know, Jason being at the helm and stuff, you know, and Tyrannosaurus kind of running the show. And then when that happened, I remember being like, what a shakeup, you know, and I'm along for the ride. You know, I'm a young viewer. Now when I watch it, I'm just like, ooh, it makes me think of like, you know, instant demotion. And I feel kind of bad for Jason in some regards. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, I, I can't say I disagree. You know, Tommy is a cool character and he was a terrific leader of the team. You know, uh, when you watch the portrayal of him, you know, supporting his teammates and just how he leads himself, you know, in, you know, at school, outside of, you know, outside of school and as a ranger. So, that, look, that's the thing. I, I, I can appreciate the situation that the writers were in and I think they did the best they could. I, again, mm-hmm. as an adult watching it, it's, you wish that Jason's demotion could have been addressed at all, right? Mm. But there, there, it just wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't built for that. Um, because the way you, when you watch it, and again, even knowing that Zordon's line was just thrown in after the fact about Tommy being the new leader, they cut to Jason and Jason's like, this is great. And it's like, clearly that's not what he was originally responding to. <laughs> and and what, you know, what would Jason actually feel about that? Uh, you know, yeah. I they, in another world, like it would be amazing to see that that kind of storyline play out. Yeah, although it's funny too, because I actually would be curious to know the rationale. I, I guess the answer the answer is that I'll answer my own question. That we had a few a good few episodes before Rocky, Adam, and Aisha were there, and so if you're going to have Tommy running the show, right, then you kind of have to establish him as the leader. Because I was going to say, like, why not just wait? until Rocky, Adam, and Aisha come in. And then you can say, Tommy, now you're stepping up as the senior member. You're the leader of the team. But to to do that before, but I guess you kind of have to because you're not going to be able to see Jason for half a dozen episodes. So it only makes yeah. sense. I, I I get it. I get it. But um, but yeah, ultimately, great reveal. Um, great. And it, you know what blows my mind about all these episodes, you know, that we're talking about tonight and all of them, how much can happen in 20 minutes? <laughs> crazy it's crazy shout out to the creative team man for real like that's a lot of information to pack into that small of a segment so and they did it well and listen you know and we're i mean we're focusing on the most the most relevant part of white light but also to the writer's credit in in this two-parter we also have this subplot the b story of bulk and skull Hmm. finding the miniaturized rita rita's dumpster which crash landed in the park at angel grove and they spend two episodes trying to pry it open (laughs) and and eventually knock themselves out and then you know she's able to escape but the rangers intervene and and they blast her back into space and then she'll return in the wedding arc which we're going to get to in an upcoming episode but but there's also that going on and and i've gone on record i'm not the biggest bulk and skull fan especially as an adult but i think this was for me at least i think this was sort of their their shining moment uh because at least they had a subplot that was relevant Mm. Uh, and so it's like on top of a new ranger and the revelation that it's Tommy, you also have our original antagonist 
coming back on the scene. And, you know, she's not going to make her, her full return yet, but, you know, this is letting you know, like, hey, you know, she was sent away at the beginning of season two, but it's like, hey, she's still in the mix. Mm. Uh, I, I love that whole uh, that that whole runner with with them trying to get her out of the dumpster. I, I just love seeing her. I think she's a wonderful character. And I understand there's like, you know, iterations of her, you know, down the road too. now open, open, open book. I have not seen too terribly much past a little bit of turbo um, minus maybe some of the key moments. So that, again, my journey kind of cut off abruptly when, you know, we moved over there and then um but uh, from what I have seen on and off, I did watch the, you know, the episode with all the Red Rangers in it because it came up on YouTube. And I was like, I just got to see this. Um, and there was a lot to unpack there. So I'm like, OK, I probably should go back and watch all this at some point. Um, so that's on my list uh, to crush it. Um, uh, but my point with that was that I understand that there's a lot of lore um, and history uh, with the villain hierarchy. Um, and I totally want to learn about all that. So of course I want to watch all this to see how the characters interact and stuff. And yeah, totally. Our, our journeys are not entirely dissimilar. You actually made it past where I did. I, I, I ended, I stopped watching some, actually towards the end of Zio. Uh, so we'll do an episode later on in the podcast where we'll, we'll get into the turbo era and Tommy's final episode. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get there, but that will be new for me. So, uh, you know, that, that, I mean, Mighty Morphin was really, uh, the height of my fandom into Zio mm. and the, and then I sort of dropped off. But uh, mm. yeah, it was it was cool to see Rita and to see Bulk and Skull in that capacity. I I, I really enjoyed their storyline. Uh, there I, there was just I feel like this two parter was really firing on all cylinders because you had Bulk and Skull trying to open this dumpster, not knowing what's inside, but of course we do. Uh, this mystery, this mystery of who the White Ranger is going to be, and and you know that's the other interesting angle with all of this is that. Zordon and Alpha do this in secret, um, which, you know, it's one thing to keep the audience in the dark, but, you know, our characters are in the dark. And I, 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 this is another instance where I wish this could have been mined a little bit more, but I understand we're dealing with the kid show. But, I, you know, you would think that there might be some frustration on the part of the Rangers. I mean, you get some of that in that scene in Billy's lab, but hmm. it's kind of messed up. Like Zordon and Alpha, they don't even tell the Rangers, hey, we're going to be off the board for a little while. They're just like, oh, it's kind of quiet. Like, let's go work on our mission. They don't tell the Rangers. And then when Zed creates this Nimrod monster, you know, the Rangers go to the command center and it's dark, you know, and they go into battle and they're on the ropes and, uh, you know, Billy teleports out and he goes to the command center. And that's when he has this moment where he falls to such a great visual. And they kept that in the opening credits for a long time. I love that visual of him, uh, you know, kind of descending in the white light and and finding that hidden chamber. But uh, yeah, like it's messed up. And then, the, <laughs> the the cherry on top of that is after they reveal the White Ranger, Zordon is so pleased with himself. He's so pleased <laughs> yeah. with himself. It's like, all right, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Way happier than normal. Like, yeah. I just was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you keep your Rangers, uh, you know, in the loop here? I did appreciate, though, that they, you know, it shows how hard it is to make a Ranger. Um, which I thought was kind of cool because it, you know, otherwise it might beg the question. It's like, hey, well, just make more Rangers all the time. So I feel like <laughs> this showed it like, hey, we were able to do this, but it really took a lot. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that that white light is my all time, you know, is my all time favorite episode of the show. It's definitely up there. But I do think, like I said, it, it's sort of the last hurrah for the original iteration of the team. It's this triumph for Tommy and a great postscript to all of the Green Ranger episodes. 
And just the way these are structured with the Zordon and Alpha intrigue, uh, the Rangers you know, losing at the end of part one, which they don't do a lot. They don't lose often every now and then. The Balkan Skull story, I feel like this in a lot of ways represents the peak of that original Mighty Morphin era, these two episodes. Um, and one other thing I did want to be sure to lift up regarding part two was when we first meet Sava and the Tiger Zord. Um, I got to give it up to the scene where the Tiger Zord like jumps and falls on its back. And Tommy's like, I thought you knew what you were doing <laughs> and, and just having fun with it. And, and that to me really reminded me a lot of the fun notes of Jason David Frank, you know, just in general, just kind of that goofy, you know, playfulness. Cause he always had kind of that, those mannerisms from watching videos of him at conventions and then getting to meet him in person and stuff. It was just really cool to get to see that, you know, that that's uh, just kind of held true over the years. Now, so speaking of Saba and the the Tiger Zord and Tommy Morphed, uh, you're I mean, I, I mean, you're probably aware, especially maybe you saw these episodes when you were in Japan. But in the Super Sentai series, a the White Ranger came from a different series than our Mighty Morphin Rangers, and B was a child, right? Um, that I believe so was right. I'd have to Google it. I haven't, I haven't dug into the Japanese series recently. Um, but that wouldn't surprise me at all. Just, I, one thing I noticed even before moving to Japan was that just the overall difference in the outfit, you know, just visually. Um, cause even the green Ranger fit the motif, you know, of what we were going for here, but white Ranger felt like just something entirely different. Um, so that, that's actually, that's fair. Yeah. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail-order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw, yeah. One question for you. I feel like initially what, what made Tommy so cool was that he was this sixth ranger there was this mystery. There was this danger. He starts off as an antagonist. Yes, he's under a spell, but still he's an enemy turned ally. And then, you know, very early on into his tenure with the Rangers, 
he's losing his powers, he comes back, he, you know, all that back and forth, right? But he occupied a very specific space as this sixth ranger. Hmm. And, and then from white light forward, he's really positioned at the center. He's now the leader. Do you, do you, is there a preferred version of Tommy uh, for you? Like, do you, do you like him more as the, the straight laced leader or do you like him more, not a bad boy, but like, do you like him more as the, as this sort of darker, more mysterious, badass sixth ranger? Well, you know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I, I gotta say, I liked I liked the edgy better. Um, uh, But I also am pleased that a kid's show took the time to to develop this character. So rich, you know, richly, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, but just making him so in depth that we meet both sides. Um, especially in these episodes we're going to be reviewing coming up, literally meeting both sides. Um, and it's it's kind of cool. And it's also a testament to his acting um, and just seeing how he portrayed both. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's... Uh, I, I think like what, edgy, though. <laughs> no, I, like, I think what ultimately makes his arc so rich is that he's occupied both roles. Mm. But yeah, there's something to be said for that sixth ranger. It's why... You know, like I love Jason as the leader, but I love Jason as the Gold Ranger too. There, you know, there's there's really something to be said for that. Uh, you know, of course, I want to segue into the second arc that we're going to talk about. The last thing I want to say about White Light, and then of course we can always circle back, and if there's anything else you want to talk about, but uh, Rita makes a comment at one point about how Bulk and Skull essentially remind her of Squat and Babu. And again, this was you know online research. I guess there was a fan theory that for lack of a better description, that Bulk and Skull were sort of the human incarnation of Squat and Babu. Like, did you ever come across anything like this? Because it was it was new to me, but it's an interesting yeah. idea because they, in in stature and the, the, the roles that they occupy, you did definitely a lot of parallels yeah. there. Yeah, I, I would have never, I didn't ever put two and two together with that, but that's completely legit. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so White, uh. White Light, I, I mean, truly... Uh, truly a high point, I, I think, for the series. And, uh, you know, uh, amazing to see Tommy back and in that role. And the yep. show was going to change in a big way just a few episodes later with half the team uh, being replaced. But for this moment, it was it was really, it was I- iconic. And that reveal, I, I, you know, that's one of those things, sort of scenes, moments that are seared into my brain. You know, again, Tommy descending, taking off the helmet, you know, that's right up there. And I imagine mm-hmm. most people listening or watching uh, our, our episode would would agree. So we also rewatched Return of the Green Ranger, uh, which came later in the season. This was a three-part storyline where uh, Zed and Rita, who are now married, this comes after the wedding three-parter where Rita returns, they call upon the Wizard of Deception who sends uh, our five core rangers uh, back in the past uh, to Colonial Angel Grove, which apparently was a thing. And they're unable to morph and they're being hunted by the townspeople. And the Wizard of Deception turns these uh, rats into giant monsters. And that's sort of their side of the story. And in the present, the wizard uh, is able to, uh, it takes an entire episode, uh, but is able to obtain a lock of Tommy's hair. For all the hair this guy has, it's shocking to me that it took 30 minutes for the, for the wizard to get a lock of his hair, uh, which he uses to create a clone, a duplicate of Tommy, 
uh, who he turns evil and transforms into the Green Ranger. So this is Green Ranger versus White Ranger, filmed in Australia during the production of the movie, which is highly evident as you're watching all of the colonial Angel Grove scenes where the from the, the townspeople to the quote-unquote British soldiers all <laughs> have Australian accents. Not, not much of an effort went into uh, hiding those. <laughs> Before I give my, my my take on this, but maybe it's clear from the way I described it, uh, what <laughs> what was your well? First of all, do you remember watching these episodes, and yeah. and then yeah. you know what what's your impression of them now in particular? Um, okay, so yeah, rewatching it, um, I I I did like the the going back in time thing was just more of a a filler piece for me, you know. But it was it, the the show this is a product of its time and there's a lot of shows that would do these kinds of episodes. So the fact that they were able to lace an amusing kind of piece with something much more detrimental of Tommy versus Tommy, you know, I think was very wise because if this was by itself, I probably would have been like, "Eh," you know, like probably not my favorite episode of power Rangers, you know, but it, it certainly is a product of its time uh, with that. Um, There were some, Interesting notes to it, though, such as the inability of morphine is an interesting one. And we've seen it maybe a couple of other episodes, too. Um, But seeing the characters truly feel um, without um, is an interesting concept. Uh, Having them hide from soldiers where they probably could take them out, you know, with their moves and stuff. But, you know, there's four soldiers right now. Who's to say there's not 48 around the bend? You know, Uh, who knows? Um, would the townsfolk accept them? Probably not, because um, they're different. Uh, so there, there's a there's a moment there of you know, uh oh, we're actually in trouble, and that that to me uh, caught my attention a little bit. Um, I will also say that Ben, uh, who is bulk but in medieval times, uh, was running at the rats with his fist up, guarding you know the gal when the rangers were in front and the rangers were like, no, no, you guys go away. And that was kind of cool too. Just as I've never seen bulk, you know, approach conflict before. Um, so it was kind of fun uh, in that regard. So it, it really was a fun kind of puff piece for me overall. Um, but uh, it, it, it uh, when you, when you mix it up with the seriousness and the heavy nature of the Tommies, I think that for a kid show, it was probably the right call. Yeah, that that's probably true. Uh, on the note of Bulk and Skull, I, I meant to say this earlier, uh, so I'm glad you, you mentioned Bulk again. So again, going back to those those special features on the DVD, uh, I did not sit through the entire the good, the bad, and the stupid because, again, for me, a little bit of Bulk and Skull really goes, goes a long, long way. Long. But <laughs> I fast-forwarded through it, and at the end, they included something that I had completely forgotten about for 30 years, and then it all came right back to me. Do you remember the PSA? that uh, the actors who play Bulk and Skull film that aired as a commercial during Power Rangers where they appeared as themselves and explained how they are actors. They're not really bullies, but they're just playing roles on TV. It's amazing. It's uh, Paul and Jason, and Paul is playing with his niece, and kids come up, and they're like, hey, you're Bulk. And he's like, no, no, my name is Paul. And then Jason Narvi shows up and spills ice cream on Paul's shoe and the kids are like, Oh, bulk, get him, pound him. And he's like, Hey, no, like that's just a character I play in real life. Jason's my best friend. 
Hmm. And I remember that. I, I remember watching that as a kid. Uh, so it was it was so funny. It's something I hadn't thought about in so long. But uh, like yourself, I, I yeah, the bulk and skull in the past that was you know amusing enough. I uh, the things that stood out to me the most from the Colonial Angel Grove, other than the the accent, I suppose. One was uh, how <laughs> I don't mean to beat up on poor Adam because uh, you know now we're later in season two. This is when Rocky, Adam, and Aisha are there. Adam falls for this this girl in the town like so fast to the point that when it's time for those rangers to return to the present he he's, <laughs> he wants her to come he wants her to come with them it's yeah. like buddy you yeah. got to slow down here yeah You've, that's young love right there that's young wow. love right there that's uh you know the innocence of of Adam Park i guess but it just mm-hmm. made me laugh it's like we've seen so little of any meaningful interaction <laughs> between these characters. And he but I've wants known her... you my whole life. Yes. Yeah. And then, of course, in the present, he meets her descendant. And that's the note we end on. So it's a nice little button to the three-parter. But uh, that really made me laugh. But then, okay. So I actually, I came across, so, you know, we're in 2023 now. A few years ago, uh, I, I guess when when I realized that all of Power, at the time, all of Power Rangers was on Netflix. Now, as of this recording, <laughs> only a, only a few seasons are there, but uh, many, if not most, or all of the seasons are on the Power Rangers YouTube channel, and there are DVDs and all that. Anyway, a few years ago, I fell down this rabbit hole on Netflix, and I was watching old episodes, and I came across this Return of the Green Ranger three-parter, which I had completely forgotten. So it was wild. So this, you know, it wasn't like I was coming back to this with totally fresh eyes. Like, I had watched this fairly recently, but... The most, the wildest part about this episode to me is that, and I know I'm skipping ahead, but ultimately Tommy is able to defeat the wizard of deception and break the evil spell that is, that is over his clone, right? So, so clone Tommy becomes good Mm. and, uh, they go back to colonial angel grove to take care of those giant rats and clone Tommy decides that his place is there. He can't go back to the present. We can't have two Tommies. So he's going to stay in Colonial Angel Grove. And all I could think about is just the time travel implications of this. Is clone Tommy, Tommy's ancestor, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And it's, I cannot believe that Zordon would allow this. Yep. There's, you know, the, between that and then the moment with, you know, Adam, like, babe, come back with me. What? <laughs> like, you know, like there's, there's the butterfly effect is, you know. Um, so I, I was kind of cracking up about that too. Um, yeah. Seeing him stay put um, was crazy to me. And I don't really remember that part. So when I rewatched this, I was so glad you had me do it because I'm like, what? Um, and then when he summons his own hat, I was just like, that's amazing. Okay. This is fine. Green Ranger can do no wrong. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but yeah. Well, also, I wish. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I wish I wish him all the best uh, during these colonial adventures for sure. Um, but I don't know, man. I agree with you. I think that uh, yeah, there probably was uh, maybe a better course of action. I don't know what it would have been, but yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, and and I know I'm overthinking it, but at the same time, it's it's just kind of. It's nuts. Now, you mentioned the materializing the hat. I mean, that seemed to be something that he was able to do through his morphing abilities. Do you do you mm. agree? Because right, that wasn't something that Tommy did with the with the wizard stick. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was just something that he did, and it had like green flare around it. And it made me actually think of the Green Ranger versus Ryu, you know, throwdown, superpower beatdown, where he did the green energy ball, because he did do that at the team when he first debuted. Um, he did do some sort of a green energy burst at them. Um, and so it was kind of cool to see Superhero Beatdown call that out. And then to see this kind of magic hat appearing years later, I'm like, hmm, maybe there's something to that. And so, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Now look, not to nitpick, but if our Rangers couldn't morph in the past, yeah, how does clone Tommy have any abilities in the past? <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you. Uh, you know, it's a, yeah. you know, and I, I don't mean to dump on this three-parter, but I feel like the concept, the idea of there's a clone and, I, you know, look, uh, not to take us on another tangent, but the Spider-Man clone saga was my entry point in, into into Spider-Man comics. So as much mm-hmm. as I know it's reviled by a lot of fans, uh, it holds a special place for me. So, well, man, anytime we're talking clones, like I'm there, I'm, I'm on yeah. board. But the idea of a, of a Tommy clone who's evil and he's the green, we're going to have a green ranger versus white ranger battle. We're going to have dragon Zord versus tiger Zord. It all sounds so cool on paper. Yeah. I do not feel like it really resonates in a meaningful way as it unfolds. It all feels kind of meaningless. I I don't know. It, it it didn't have the impact that I would expect and a storyline like this based on the, the description of it. Yeah. Like, how did you feel? Um, I think that watching it this time around, I will say one of my gripes with it was that, okay, the dra- the Dragon Zord is now evil because I have given him pupils on his eyes. What? <laughs> you know, like the, the, the black dots that appear in the middle of the red Dragon Zord eyes. And I know it's the smallest of details, you guys, and I'm complaining. This is the Dragon Zord. Okay, there's no pupils in those eyes. They don't need to be. He looks beautiful as he is. Leave him alone. And I just was so, I, I find myself, even when I watch it this time around, I, I, I just remember being so mad about that. Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, so I that made me a little grouchy. And I will say that he play, had to play that flute multiple times. The Dragon Zord's like, bro, I'm sleeping. I don't want to, no, what are we doing? What are we doing? Who are you? You're not the real Tommy. You know, because there was a point where a spell had to be uh, basically cast on the Dragon Zord or whatever, right? To make him more susceptible um, to it. So that was just really weird and not really fleshed out now that I think about it. Um, the battle with the Tiger Zord, same idea. There was a, a certain element of, oh, the Dragon Zord's not kidding around here. Um, I didn't like seeing the Dragon Zord go down at the end like that. Like, no, wait, we'll just shut him off and he'll tip over like a house appliance. And then <laughs> that's that, you know. I don't know. I... Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think my gripes are more the cosmetics of the battle than anything. Um, but it, it it had potential to be so much more. It's what I'm trying to say. It, it, it did. And I, this might be a product of they filmed this while they were doing the movie. And, you know, so it's a lot of, you know, a lot of this is Green Ranger and White Ranger more, both morphed in battle. So, yeah. you know, we have Jason David Frank's voice dubbing over everything, but you know, you're not getting that. You know, maybe that the personal connection that you typically do that might have something to do with it. And like the other Rangers are off the board. I feel like what would have made this story more interesting is them interacting with evil Tommy or something like that. Like, I think ultimately and I 
again, I don't mean to nitpick on this, but it just doesn't, I don't know what this really said. I don't think this really had anything to say about Tommy as a character Mm. yet. I feel like there could have been some opportunity, right? If you're showing where Tommy is now versus a ver- like essentially a version of him, uh, you know, from the beginning, maybe there was some opportunity to say or show something about the character. And I don't feel like they were necessarily concerned with delving into that. It was more just like, hey, we'll show the White Ranger or Green Ranger fighting. And yeah, as a kid, I mean, it's cool enough to see watching it now especially over three parts. I think if this yeah. had been a one a one one and done or even a two-parter, this could have been really tight and really cool. I, but I think spread out over three episodes, it just really got tedious after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um gosh, I was going to say too again props to JDF the the voices between the two were definitely distinguished. Yeah. Um so I I love the inflections taking us back to old Tommy versus new. And I got to say m- watching them both morph uh back to back uh, was kind of cool too, so I appreciated that. And you, you of course do see the the more the better definition morph with the White Ranger and the lighting and everything. It's just so different, you know, from the old one. So yeah, I was, I got a kick out of that too. Uh, in terms of recycled footage, so <laughs> it is hilarious to me. I mean, I could think of at least three instances, and there maybe there are more. Audience, let me know, but. Uh, in the Green with Evil arc, when when you know Tommy calls forth the Dragon Zord for its initial path of destruction, uh, in the mutiny when uh, Zed and Perantis Head are able to take control of uh, the Tyrannus Tyrannosaurus Rex and Dragon Zord, uh, and and here when we have Evil Clone Tommy calling forth the Dragon Zord, the Dragon Zord's path of destruction is always the same, down to that same red and white pipe. <laughs> always munching on yes (laughs) like they just replaced that bummer (laughs) another one's gone i guess that poor plant just can't catch a break it's so that's you know (laughs) we talked about things you know behind between the scenes that you would have wanted to see it's like i want to see the meeting right at that plant where they're like god damn it again (laughs) (laughs) that would have been gold like not again if they're like stop painting it red and white like it stands out too much yeah I don't know. That that made me laugh. Oh. I picked up on that too. Yeah. And then when Clone Tommy infiltrates the command center, mm. all from Green with Evil. Mm. Obviously new, you know, new dialogue, but it's all from Green with Evil. And you can you it's most apparent uh because they don't show him destroying anything yeah. uh, in this, yet there's one shot where again from Green with Evil, you see Tommy and like all of the the dashboard behind him are are destroyed. So yeah. You know, yeah. look, it, it is what it is. Again, like they, they were like the cast was in Australia, right? Like they were doing, it's like they weren't, you know, they, very limited in terms of what they were able to do. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wish, I, I, like I said, on paper, I think Return of the Green Ranger, this idea of, of two versions of Tommy battling it out sounds yeah. epic, maybe yeah. could have been. Yeah. Um, I don't think we got there, but there, if you want to see like those two Rangers fight, I think it's, it's, it's cool in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, it's it's no white light. It's no it's no, it's no um, white light. But but it's a part of you know the ranger history and uh, just kind of understanding the circumstances surrounding it is helpful. Um, and they they all can't be white light or green with evil, right? Um, so 
I, I take it all with a grain of salt and kind of just see it as, you know, because it's just like comic book series, right? There's there's issues where we're like, well, that was a speed bump, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or whatever. Um, and it's the same thing. Not every episode is going to be a momentous uh, event. But this one had the fixins, like you said, to be the perfect Thanksgiving meal of all um, ranger goodness and greatness for Tommy. And it just didn't deliver for us. <laughs> Well, you know, when you say they can't all be white light, it's interesting because for this podcast, I'm not, I'm not rewatching every episode of Mighty Morphin Power mm-hmm. Rangers. There's mm-hmm. not, not only are there too many, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily have it in me because look, they all, there's a comfort to them. There's a comfort in that familiarity and that formula, but there's also a lot of repetition. And I feel like that could get tedious. And yep. so largely so far, and, and even in terms of what I've mapped out, we're looking at these these event episodes, these big arcs, uh, you know, these moments where we have the changing of the Rangers, changing of the Zords, changing of the powers, like the really pivotal moments mm-hmm. in the show. And but I don't know, kind of the upshot of that is I feel like it's, it's in my mind, maybe it's creating more of an epic sense of the overall show because it's true. Like if you watch a standard run of the mill episode, you know, you know what you're going to get and it's entertaining enough, but I, you know, I, I don't know how, how engrossing, how compelling it necessarily is, but you watch something like white light, you watch something like green with evil and you know, the stakes are so high. There's so much going on. I think like ep- arcs and episodes like that really do represent the best of what this franchise can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say also just uh, looking at the episodes just as a whole, the fight music in the newer season uh, with <laughs> with the return of the Green Ranger was actually like better <laughs> to me. Like when the putties would appear and they would be all doing their stuff or whatever. Um, and shout out to the putties. Quirky intros for days. Those guys can vogue like you wouldn't believe. Like I just am like, I, I kind of remember that, but man, that took me back. I was like, oh man, this is crazy. So Zed's Zed's uh, putties definitely uh, are on a different level from Rita's. Yes, yes, for voguing. Yes, for as I am, man, it's it's amazing. I, I recently rewatched the wedding, and you get to see them dance, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, mm-hmm. and in the stage show which I watched, I didn't watch all of it uh, as I was going through those special features, but I watched some of it and uh, you know, they have this whole dance number. It's amazing. <laughs> um, also, we didn't really talk about Rita and Zed uh, during this three-parter, the interaction with them. So I had seen those episodes originally. I didn't watch the wedding. And so when I hop back into this uh, three-parter, just their chemistry alone and Goldar's discontent with everything was Probably one of the things that just had me chuckling during this three-parter, just the the total cacophony of emotions at the Palace on the Moon. It was the best thing uh, ever, and I, I kind of adore it. I'm, I'm kind of here for it. So shout out to Zed uh, and Rita Repulsa. Um, yeah. For sure. We have an episode coming up. In fact, it'll, uh, it will most likely be our next episode on the mutiny and the wedding. And so I've rewatched <laughs> those and... And it's amazing. I think like that's one of the things now as an adult watching, and I do appreciate the humor that they were able to sneak in with the villains, especially as we get into this domestic comedy uh, yeah. incarnation of the moon base with Red and with Zed and with Red. I can't even say the names. Zed and Rita. <laughs> there we go. Yep. Third yep. time's the charm uh, with Zed and Rita on the moon. And uh, and even, you know what? I, I, I jotted this down when I was rewatching White Light uh, with, with Goldar and Zed when... Uh, Zordon and Alpha go dark, right? And Zed senses a weakness in the morphing grid. 
And Goldar is just quick to be like, like our forces have been getting stronger. And he's like, no, you idiot. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> so many things like that. Like it's, you know, I guess I found it amusing enough as a kid, but I'm definitely uh, enjoying it more now uh, yep. as I'm rewatching it. <laughs> there was there was one last thing that I wanted to say about White Light and, and maybe sort of as we circle back and we wind down here, uh, I think this is an important point to make. In White Light, after Tommy is revealed as the White Ranger, uh, Trini and Billy are sent off to repair the Zords damaged in the battle with Nimrod. Uh, Jason, Kimberly, and Zack are sent off to Balkan Skulls to try to prevent them from freeing Rita. And Tommy goes into battle against Nimrod on his own with his new white tiger sword and loses. And he has to call on Jason for help. And in the prior episode, the five original Rangers also fell in battle against Nimrod. Mm. What I appreciated about this was I feel like it would have been very easy for Tommy to just win the day on his own. But I think the way that they played it and it's not a shock, right? Because this was the whole theme of the show was the power of working together. But I just, I really appreciated that. Like you saw the Rangers, the five without Tommy fail and we saw Tommy by himself fail. And it's only mm. when all of them came together mm. that they could beat Nimrod. And mm. as the toy fan, you know, it was cool. We got the new configuration. We got the 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 tiger <laughs> Megazord uh, where the tiger Zord combined with the unicorn, griffin, lion and firebird and mm. like shot the firebird out. Like it was a cool, it was really cool. And then, that you know, cool. you have the red dragon Zord, you know, march over and they stand side by side at the end and it's awesome. But I think again, more just on the, on the, the theme of the whole show, this, I, I really liked that it had to be all of them together. I thought that was a really, really good touch. Yeah, no, I completely agreed with that. I, you know, between, with the two arcs, I know we were kind of nagging on, uh, you know, return of the green ranger a little bit there, but tonight you know the overall theme of our show tonight i think is really just the redemption and kind of full cycle of tommy as a character um and so this was an exciting pairing for me uh to get to watch um and just really a cool look at you know some of the uh accomplishments that jd have had you know early on uh in the in his career absolutely uh i really i can't tell you how much i enjoyed this uh is there anything else that you wanted to say about either of these these arcs that we didn't get to um, for those of you that are tuning in and ha you, if you haven't watched them or you haven't watched them recently, definitely recommend checking them out. And I will say from my outsider experience of not watching everything in between uh, this time around, it's okay. As long as you kind of have a general understanding of who's who with the new faces, you know, that we talked about tonight with the transfer of power. Um, definitely, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's a very quick viewing, which always surprises me. And we talked about that, how much content can be, you know, crammed into a 20 minute episode. Uh, but definitely, you know, highly recommend sit down, watch it, you know, and enjoy it. It's, it's meant there to be enjoyed. And, uh, I, I left, uh, this five episode tour of ours, uh, just kind of, you know, like, this is awesome. So it's, I'm still excited about it. Uh, no, I, 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 and I really appreciate you taking the time to, I know, look, I know how busy it is at a comic book store. So I appreciate you taking the time to watch <laughs> And to do this, I, I too was struck by that. I, I mean, I have the DVDs, but I rewatched these on Netflix and, you know, you can skip the intro and you can skip to the next episode. And, you know, when you, when you cut out the, the opening credits and the end credits, it's like, they're like 18, 19 minutes. I mean, they zip, yeah. which I'm thinking to myself, it's like, man, there was a lot of commercials, like yeah. a lot of, I mean, nowadays there are more commercials. Episodes do tend to be shorter on, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, broadcast TV, but I feel like 
for back then, that was a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just kind of sitting through that, you know. Now, my favorite would be, like, if there's ever any sort of toy ads or anything. I'm just like, yeah. Or, you know, things coming up on Fox Kids, like X-Men used to promote heavily for upcoming episodes and stuff. So they weren't all that bad, you know. <laughs> but no, this this was a blast. I'm really glad you and I were able to connect. This was, you know, this was the first time you and I ever spoke. And uh, yes. I, I feel like... Uh, it would probably, I mean, I don't know the audience. You can tell me, I feel like maybe it sounded like this was not the first time that you and I spoke. So, <laughs> so I thank you so much. Really. Uh, this was, this was a lot of fun. So rainbow comics or rainbow comics, cards and collectibles. Um, is there yeah. any place you would want to direct people to in terms of websites, social media? What yeah. would be, what would, where would you want to send people? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, uh, uh, I, uh, my socials on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at at sign John on demand. Uh, all one word. Um, I actually do a YouTube-based comic book review show called A Comic Book Look. We have a Facebook group um, and then also another Twitter account for that. Um, but if you want to join us on Facebook to continue the comic book conversation, we got you covered. Uh, for Rainbow Comics, um, A Comic Book Look is sponsored through Rainbow Comics. And then I started working there a year ago, so it's kind of crazy. Um, so I do several uh, weekly streams through Rainbow as well, including A Comic Book Look. So you can find us on Facebook, Rainbow uh, Cards and Collectible, com- Comics Cards and Collectibles. Um, and we're the Sioux Falls one. You'll also see a Lincoln, Nebraska store. Check them out too. Great team. Uh, and yeah, so. Awesome. Well, thank you, John. Thank you, audience. We will be back in two weeks. Remember, two weeks uh, with our next all new episode. Remember, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. Home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.